So when I was a kid, night game. I love you said this, Natty. Night games uh, were one of our favorites. We played Kick the Can, uh, which was a favorite. Uh, we played all sorts of games. You got to hide. Sardines was a favorite where you'd hide and everyone have to try to find you. Um, and we played a game, I remember, anytime we got to use flashlights. And that was back when flashlights had just batteries and like actual light bulbs. There's no LED lights, so they only lasted so long. <laughs> and you'd use the huge like D batteries. And I would like get through all the drawers to find two D batteries that work in this giant. My dad had a huge mag light flashlight uh, like for work and we'd take it out of his truck. And it was the best you could adjust it. So it'd go like more like a fine beam or a big broad one. So you'd get the big wide open. Uh, we loved it. Um, and we'd play games all to any kind of game. Pretty much run in the dark with a flashlight was just exciting. We played a game though later in my life at camp. Played lots of nights games. That was a, a, a exciting job because it was like your job was to play games. Uh, and so we would play this game and it, it was Bible camp. So we had to make everything like into a, a lesson. And so we play this game where it's kind of wild. Uh, we'd assign a few kids uh, with flashlights to be light. And then there'd be kids who we'd send out into the woods that were demons. Uh, yeah, it's kind of wild now, I think. But, but they... um. It was also nice as like a counselor, you got to pick what kids. So it was like, there's like a little bit of therapy maybe and like getting to see which kids to be like, you're a demon, you're a demon uh, that sent them into the woods. And then the whole game was these kids would, from each cabin would run out into the woods with flashlights. And if they shine light on a demon, it would, uh, or a possessed person, we didn't really have good theology behind any of this. They shine light on them, then they would join the flashlight crew. And by the end of the game, most the demons had been found and they had been uh, converted. It doesn't work, but... And then we'd sit the kids down in the dark. They're like sweaty kids from running around with mosquito bites. And we'd say, let's tell you now how this relates to our faith. And they, I'm sure they never heard any of that. But, but I remember that game because it was such a fun night, running in the woods with a flashlight, trying to find people. And there was something pretty cool about going on paths that without that flashlight would have been very dark and very scary and very dangerous. Uh, and then you have this great, powerful flashlight that suddenly brings all this light to that place. Well, we are um, spending um, a few weeks here at Hope on Sunday mornings, taking a, a break. We just finished our Christmas series and we're gonna hop back into Romans and finish it this, this winter and spring. Uh, but we're taking a few weeks just to remind ourselves of why we're here a kind of few weeks of, of vision of why we exist. And I think this picture explains a lot of why we exist, that we've been people who have been given light and that we get the opportunity to bring it to dark places. And so essentially we get to bring this joy, this light, this hope to a place that is uh, maybe there isn't as much around us. It's a call that we see in scripture. And so today I'm excited to kind of remind us of our uh, beginnings. Uh, it's like, think of me as grandpa at Christmas telling you that maybe for some of you the same story about the family and why we're here, uh, but hopefully a hopeful and encouraging reminder of what and why we exist. And so our hope here is to bring joy to our city. Tim Keller uh, tweeted this, but he, he actually is, is not alive. His son tweets for him, uh, but he tweets, the opposite of joy is not sadness, it's hopelessness. And I think this is at the heart of what we're hoping to, to see today and think about today is that that light isn't just, we're not hoping just to bring like happiness or smiles to people. We're actually hoping to bring light into a hopeless place and bring hope into a place 
that we're looking uh, at what it looks like and how it looks to bring joy to our city, to our own lives and to the people around us. I got the opportunity to do this um, uh, just a couple months ago. Northwestern asked if I'd come and share uh, about what our church is doing, essentially, and, and uh, they said, come and talk about the kingdom of God to some college students. And I said, what if I just tell them the story of our church? I think that tells the story of what we think is important. So I got to share this story with them, and I'm excited to share it again with you. So my hope today is just to remind us of how to bring joy to our city, essentially bring hope to our city, to hopeless places, places that might feel dark. Um, I don't think I need to remind us, probably just saying that, things come to mind, and maybe even uh, very recent things for you, maybe very tearful things for you. And I say, do you, can you picture or imagine or feel where darkness might be, where flashlights haven't gotten yet, or where it maybe feels extra dark? Um, it shouldn't be hard. Uh, I know that this week I got a text from my mother-in-law who lives uh, in the next town over from Perry, Iowa, where there was a school shooting, and we spent the day texting and praying uh, for them. And I know this weekend, uh, even here in Columbia Heights, uh, there was a funeral for a young girl who was shot. And, and that, that's like dark darkness, right? Those are moments you go, that's where hope is hard to find in there. It feels ho- very hopeless in a place where how could a young girl's life end? This, this seems wrong. And maybe not so potent, but you feel darkness in lots of other ways and maybe just even in yourself or family, maybe after a ho- long holiday weekend or week traveling, you just feel darkness uh, around or maybe at least dimness around. And so where do we find that? Where does hope come from? And how do we bring joy to our lives and to those around us? Well, we started as people who wanted to do this. Uh, a lot of you are in the room still um, in the gym next door at Highland. I've shown this before, but look at all of our sweet young faces. We're all gray hair now and wrinkly, but <laughs> uh, it's so fun to see all these people. Look at this blurry little picture of us. We started uh, four years ago now almost next door at Highland with the hope of what would it look like to bring like what would it look like to be the people who had the flashlights who could say, we, we were given this light and what if it was it look like to bring to our city? And one of the places we see a short story here in the book of Acts that um, we love here at Hope reminds us of what that looks like. This is from Acts 8. Uh, Acts 8, 4 through 8 tells a quick story of Philip and the people that the disciples of Jesus that were with him. It says, now those who were scattered, went about preaching the word. Now they just had seen persecution and actually someone executed, killed for their faith. Uh, and so Christians were being scattered, being pushed out of places. I think there might've been some hope in that from people objecting to them that maybe if we can like break them up and they're not together, maybe they won't continue to cause problems. And instead uh, they go all over and actually the gospel spreads. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them to them the Christ. So he goes, he gets pushed out, moved with others, and he proclaims Christ to them. So he he brings this good news, right? Essentially, with him comes this light. And the crowds, uh, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, they're they're paying attention, right? Because things are happening. The Holy Spirit, God's doing things through Philip, and they're noticing. And so then they come and notice the signs and the things he said. And for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. This is, a, this is essentially the gospel story, right? There were people who were 
broken, hurt, paralyzed, lame. There were spirits taking over spiritually, physically, emotionally. There was darkness. And Philip comes and tells them the good news, that there's light, there's goodness, there's healing that can come. And it pushes that darkness out of this place. And then the result of that is this great passage. So there was much joy in that city. And this is our heart, right? So four years ago, we, even before that, started meeting and praying and saying, what does it look like to get to see our city have moments where they, there was much joy because, uh, real joy because of hope brought to our city. And so we get to join this uh, journey of Jesus taking darkness and bringing it to light and ultimately knowing that one day he will make it uh, fully, right? Like it'll fully be realized in glory. Um, and so what does it look like now to live in this in-between uh, with this light and this good news waiting for the day when he comes? And so we just want to walk through a few par- parts in scripture. These are the truths, some truths that we carry with us that are true. So if we want to bring joy to our city, if we want to continue to see what happens that we saw happen with Philip in many, many places all over the world for many, many years, if we want to join that work, What are some things that are helpful? And here's just moments we see in the Gospels that I think help us remind us uh, of what is true and so that we don't kind of lose course on what it looks like to bring joy. This is from Luke 5, 31. This is Jesus talking. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call repentance or call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus, this is a, a passage, right? Maybe you know where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who maybe feel like, hey, we're really good and we got it together. We're really healthy spiritually. And he's trying to help them understand, actually, we're all sick. I've actually come to heal those who are sick. So if you're not sick, I guess you don't need healing, hoping that they would understand, actually, yeah, you need to repent, which just means to turn to Jesus, to believe the good news. And so here we understand it really important as we want to bring joy to our city, to our own lives, to the our families, that, that we are sick. First, it's just good to recognize hey, there is brokenness, there is sickness, there's darkness, and that we, need, that we need to be healed. That was perfect. That was queued up. True. A little bit of a horror movie moment. Something's, something's wrong, right? And I think this is the moment you go, yeah, yeah, we know there's something wrong. I have no illusion that I... I'm not tricked into thinking, oh, I'm so healthy and so well. I'm, and in fact, we live, I think, in a culture now where it's okay to be not okay, right? So then what's the answer to that? Well, Jesus shows us the Gospels are a story of him over and over and over bringing healing to sick in all different ways, whether he's casting out demons, he's stopping the work of Satan spiritually, whether he's gathering people around him and healing people or crowds of people or feeding crowds of people, whether he's healing people physically and spiritually all in one moment. If you remember the story of friends lowering their friend down who can walk, he heals his, not only forgives his sins, he heals his body, he walks away. Such an incredible picture of the gospel. Can't even, can't move. And he actually just says, get up and leave. And he leaves, not just can walk, but spiritually like forgiven. This great power he has to cast out the demons and push out darkness, cast it into pigs. They remember the story, he casts those demons into pigs and they jump into the sea. And he comes and shows, I have the power in all these ways. Even if it's calming a, a, a sea, I have power over nature, I have power over your body, I have the power to heal you. 
to bring you great joy, to make you part of a family. I bring all those things that you so desire to bring. So we are sick people, and there is one who has come to heal and has come with that good news. Second Corinthians reminds us, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. This treasure is right, is this light, is this, is this goodness, is this Jesus to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So the power that brings great joy essentially to our city, that brings great hope, that will change from hopelessness to hope uh, is not a power that just comes from within us. It's a power that belongs to God. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. This describes kind of our position now, right? If we think of those of that earth, that picture, we're kind of in this place now where we're like, but I feel, I feel that, right? I feel the, the crushingness of darkness. I feel the, the, the almost despair. I feel the persecution. I feel struck down. I feel these things. And it's saying, but the spirit in us, Jesus in us can actually hold us together still, even as fragile jars of clay hold our bodies together. Now, this is the incredible part. You might go, yeah, yeah, we know that's like the gospels that Jesus comes and rescues us. He heals us. He makes us whole. Now we're waiting for the day for him to come back. But he doesn't just say, okay, now just, just hide in the cabinet all my little jars and don't come out because you're going to get hurt. He actually says, I also, that power now I'm going to give to you and I'm actually going to send you out now. You're not just going to hide in, it, in the jar cabinet but you're actually going to be sent out. Even though you are jars of clay, remember, you cannot, you're not going to be crushed. You're not going to be driven to despair because of this hope that I have given you. And so then he also encourages in these great ways. This is right after he asked Peter who he is, and Peter says, he's the Messiah. He's the one who's come to rescue, to save them. And he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, the name Peter meaning rock, I will build my church. Essentially saying it, the thing you just said, the thing you just confessed, that I am, I'm the foundation, I'm the one who brings hope, joy, rescue, renewal. I'm gonna put an end to evil and death. But it's built on that. And then he says this great statement, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's when you might miss. If you uh, just read it quickly, you might go, Oh, okay, gates of hell, I don't know where those are. They can't prevail. This is one that is helpful. I think even in my younger years, I felt a lot of like as if hell was coming at me and trying to break down my gates, was trying to like infiltrate me or my family or uh, my community. I'd say like, oh, it's coming. And it, and it made me want to kind of hide in my shelf with other jars and go like, we just got to hold out until Jesus comes back. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's actually saying, I'm going to build my church on this. And it says the gates of hell will not prevail. So hell has gates. Darkness has gates as if it can protect itself. And he says, it can't protect itself. It can try and it cannot. There's a power in the gospel in Christ that God can break down those gates even. It puts us on the offensive. This is a, a passage that's used. Uh, we have a church planning network that, uh, 
that we, for many years, uh, Pastor Steve started a long time ago, that we use as a way to encourage and develop church planters. We use as a network lots of church planting in the cities because we want to see more churches and more communities and neighborhoods so that more and more joy and hope and light can go into these places. Uh, and this is like their kind of theme verse. Uh, and sometimes they'll say we're, our, our goal here is to trash the kingdom of darkness. That's our mission. So we wake up to go, what does it look like today? To, to kick down some gates in the kingdom of darkness. And as we remember that, not only are we sick, broken vessels, but held together and empowered, we're sent to kick down some gates of darkness and hell around us. Uh, we're reminded of some other important truths by Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's a reminder that Around us, the darkness we see isn't just uh, because there's bad things or bad people, but it's, it's uh, the oldest <laughs> trick. It's the oldest lie that we see all the way back in the beginning of Genesis that the thief, that Satan has come because he wants to essentially bring death and darkness. He wants to steal. And Jesus says, I've come though so that there could be life. And not just life, but life abundantly. I think many, many times, right, we're looking for life in places other than Christ, and then we find essentially at some point death or darkness or brokenness, and he, he wants to offer an abundant life right now for us. And lastly, about Jesus then, we hear this great news. This is from John. This is actually before Jesus does all these miracles, before he shows that he's a light, he's announced as the light. This is the beginning of John, uh, when John kind of shares his version of essentially kind of the creation story. And he says, this is what it looks like when Jesus came. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Cannot overcome it. It sounds kind of like gates that can't hold back, or it sounds like things that can't, that can't overcome the power of this great hope and light. And so our hope is, right, how do we bring joy to our city? How do we bring joy into lives? How do we bring hope into lives and be a light into lives? From light to darkness and healing to sickness. Bring life to death and joy to hopelessness. We uh, introduce them, right? Or we bring the light that we've been given. It's, it's really not a new thing, right? We've, we talk about this often here at Hope, but what does it look like for us to do this? And so essentially, what does it look like to bring hope to our community, not just what would it be to make people happy or make them smile or make them feel good. There's, it's really important sometimes to make sure someone's fed and that you can make someone feel loved. But there's a, there's a deep hope that you can actually bring to people and knowing that there's someone who cares so deeply that they would come to give their life so that they could have hope and have a future and that one day these things actually will be, won't exist. And so we were reminded of this passage in Acts Essentially, that's what we see happening here is that they go, they get to bring that light. After Jesus has died and risen from the dead, he has uh, given his Holy Spirit. God has come to dwell in these jars of clay and these jars of clay get sent out and eventually all over the entire world until one day they come to Minnesota, until one day that light gets spread. And one day, four years ago, we decide to continue as we've been given that light and healed and, and brought new life and that good news is the thing we hold on to in our hope. 
we decide, hey, what if we get to come to our city and we get to proclaim that Christ through how we love people and care for people, how we say yes to a school who says, hey, um, could you bring people to read with kids? And then sometimes to like, because we sit down with a friend and say, do you know this good news? And we get to open our Bibles with a friend. We get to do that and we get to see unclean spirits crying out with loud voices coming out of people, people who are hurt and broken, healed. And we get to see joy. Maybe not the city proclaiming joy in like a festival, but a, we get to see joy hopefully in moments in people's lives. And so that's what it looks like to bring joy to our city. So essentially, that passage is telling us three things. This is what I've been thinking about. First, the first thing we saw in that passage was that people got scattered. Once they understood that good gospel message, right? People get scattered. What does that mean? First, people are kind of sent somewhere. It's not like a coincidence or just Philip wasn't like, oh, my first plan was to be somewhere else. Philip and his crew are like, this is where God has sent us. And it was through really hard things, but he sent us to a place and a people. And that's what we have done here. We were sent to a place and the people, part of us starting hope was, uh, was talking about where are we already? And we went, well, there's a bunch of us that live here around Columbia Heights and in Fridley and in Shoreview. And what if people kind of lived on the, people, when we first were starting, people kept saying the north side. Oh, you're north siders, as if we're really far away from everyone, uh, way up north. Uh, what if those people who are scattered way up north? Um, and we went, gosh, we love the people here. And there's, uh, there's hope that can be brought here. And so we said, well, we've been scattered here, essentially. God has brought us to this place and these people, and it's okay. We don't have to feel like we have to create a cooler place or a newer place. Um, someone just asked me, they said, oh, you meet in a school. Have you ever thought of like going somewhere cooler than that? I was like, there's nowhere cooler than the auditorium at Columbia Heights High School. How dare you? I actually don't know what they mean by that, but like, no. We've never thought of somewhere cooler. Uh, um, first, I just think it's important to go, God has brought you here, and this isn't like a mistake where you go, I guess we're here, well. But he's put us in a place, and there's darkness in this place, and there's hurting in this place, and guess what? We know the answer. We know we have the good news. We've been given the flashlight. The batteries are charged, and we get to say, hey, let's, let's go. Let's bring light into this place. So the first thing we see Philip do is he, he is scattered, and he goes to a place, and God uses him in that place, and he's used in that place. And we have got to do that for four years here. Um, it's been very encouraging, and even in the same way, that's how we often pick what we do. We say, hey, there's a bunch of people already connected in schools, teaching in schools, involved in our schools. So we're already there. We've been scattered there. So let's, let's bring uh, hope there. The second thing we see is we gather around Jesus. Uh, it's not you. That's the hint on this one. Uh, we're not gathering around me, a, a, a pastor, or a really charismatic person in our church. We're not gathering around like an idea or maybe like a novel thought or a, a principle. We actually, as Christians, this is, this is a, a bit unique. We gather on an actual person we believe is real and alive and is actually on his throne and has the power to heal and, and restore and will one day make all things right. We'll put an end to all evil and darkness. There won't be a day of darkness. We won't have this discussion anymore. 
And so we gather around that person. So we get scattered somewhere. And then it's really important that that's the person who's empowering us. That's who we're clinging to. That's where our hope is. That's the person who actually heals us and restores us, who actually gives us a light to bring. And then the last thing that they got to do is just enjoy Jesus's work in lives and essentially join his work in that place. Philip went in, in the, to say he proclaimed the Christ. I think we might just picture he stood on a rock and like yelled, like yelled the name Jesus <laughs> or, or like had cool Bible stories that he read or he maybe had a, a cool children's Bible he read to the kids. I think he told the story of who Christ was and I'm, I would guess was with people. People were healed. Philip got to do what he saw Jesus doing because now Jesus was with him because he had gathered around Jesus in the place he was, and now he gets to join Jesus's work and himself enjoy that work. And that's what we get to do. That's why we exist. That's why we come here on Saturday morning, Sunday, Saturday morning. A few of us come secretly on Saturday morning and meet. I'm sure many of you wish you could come at nine o'clock sharp on Saturday morning as well. Uh, this is why we gather, because we gather to gather around Jesus, because throughout my week, I forget sometimes who I'm actually gathering around. And I actually look into lots of other things. And so we gather, oh, and that's why I meet with my small group to encourage each other to actually get to like shine that flashlight into each other's lives and remind each other of Christ and gather around him. And then together we get to bring that to everyone else. And so essentially we are a people who gather and follow Jesus together. And together we get to then bring that good news, bring that joy to our city. That's, that's really all we do. Someone asked, what, what do you guys do? I say, we don't... I don't, we kind of get together and let Jesus kind of restore us. And then we, ho we hope to bring that into the places around us. We don't do anything real spectacular. And that's the same thing people have done forever. And the same thing these people wanted to do. And the same thing we are doing and all of you are doing as we gather here today. It hasn't changed. I don't, there isn't really anything else to do. Um, and that's what we get to keep doing each day together. Whether that mean right here in this building, in this place, we get to learn what it looks like to gather around Jesus with kids. You might be one of our adults who loves to meet with kids. They're, they're right now out in the hallway, walking by. They get to gather together. Hey, man. Checking out the cool picture. Get back to class. Uh, they get to gather. That was very welcoming, wasn't it? Uh, they get to gather around uh, and remind each other of who the real light is, who really heals us, who really... Has the, who really has the hope. And then we might do that because we gather here and worship together through singing or preaching or whatever we're doing here. Or you might do that in your small group or you might do that through a couple of friends you're texting with throughout your week. You might do that as you serve together as we move out of our uh, just church community into our church, whether you're helping feed people at Seca or you're in our, in our actual schools helping read or care or help. You might do that just by bringing coats in. That's the way we, we like in a really cool physical way get to bring a warm coat to a kid who was cold. What a picture of, of bringing light to something, warmth to cold. You might do that just at your work in the way you get to carry that light and that Christ with you into your work or in your home with your family or your roommates. You might get to do that just as you walk. You might get to do that when you're just at Target. We get to carry this with us and see joy and hope come to the places around us. I actually got a phone call this week um, uh, because of our connection to some church planning networks. And they said, hey, we had heard the stories of all this incredible work you guys are doing in Columbia Heights. And so would you come and share about it with some other church planners 
to inspire them. And I said, oh, well, what did you hear? Because <laughs> I was a little nervous. Like, oh, like, I don't know what you're hearing. <laughs> so uh, they said, well, we heard like, you're like changing everything. And I was like, I don't, that's probably exaggerated. Uh, who told you this? Uh, and so we'll actually talk to someone who knows you. And they were telling me how um, you guys are just like in it for the long haul. And you just are like figuring out how you care for the people that you've been given in the place you were, you were placed. And he said, I think I want more church planners to hear about that than really spectacular. Like this big church, this big incredible thing, which is really cool too. But he said, I love for lots of other small churches feel like we're not making huge impacts in our city. I love for them to hear like you have some people who go and read with kids, and that's actually really important. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have, like, these things. It's not spectacular. Uh, it's not making the news, uh, but encouraging. And I think encouraging to others. So that's, uh, I'm excited for that and what God, so now as we move into 2024, what does God have for us? The same thing we've been doing. Uh, and that is, we, we share this a lot. This is why we say this, the same thing. Next week, we're going to look, more specifically, what does it look like for the gospel and community to be on mission? And even we get to hear um, from hopesters about what that's looking like for them. We get to pray for some, um, some cool stuff that's happening in that. And I want you to start really even thinking yourself, what does that look like for me this year to be on mission with, with the church, was the gospel and community? But today, just remind you, this is why we say we follow Jesus together for great joy in our city. Because that's really essentially what it looks like to, follow, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a Christian, is that together— People together in community are trying to follow Jesus, gather around him. And then that group, these broken jars, get to go out with their, their little flashlights and start shining it in the darkness. Many times, one life at a time, one friend at a time, one neighbor at a time. We get to cling to that light and go, this feels really dark. But, but I know, I know this is real and I know Christ is real. and I know this is going to change us that one day he'll come and it'll all be light again. Maybe it helps you visually. The reason we do this, uh, this is a picture of um, a study that was done a long time ago. I think, I think this is in the Black Forest, I believe, in Germany. What they did was right in the center of the spot here, there's a red dot. They placed a group of people and they told him, them to head straight east. Okay, so they said, head straight east, the same direct, walk in the same direction. Uh, and we're going to map you out like, with a satellite and see how good you are at walking straight, right? So some of these groups are not good at this, right? I love this one here. Could you imagine? These people just made circles. They thought they went like 10 miles. They only went like one. But there's a couple that went really straight. So the only difference in these groups is the time of day. So the, the blue ones were at night. And the, the other ones were during the day. So if, if you uh, probably put this together already, right? All, all the one group did was just follow the sun, right? They just looked at the sun and walked, which made their line kind of wavy still, but pretty straight. But if you could imagine being dropped off in the woods at night and saying, walk straight, there's no way, right? You'll end up in the same spot after hours. I, I love this picture because this is essentially what it is. If we gather around Christ, if we can look to him together, I keep looking to him. We're, we're moving towards him and what he has for us. We're moving in that, in that straight line. And if we just 
plop ourselves in the darkness and just go, let's just move after something, we very quickly find ourselves moving after lots of different things. So this is why we follow Jesus together, because we are essentially looking at the sun, S-O-N this time, and going straight with him. And because of that, then we get to bring great joy to our city as we follow him and he is the light that darkness cannot overcome. We get to bring light into our city. Even though it often can feel dark around us, we get to be people who do that. What does that look like a little bit here at Hope? Uh, Just briefly, uh, next week we'll look even more at what this looks like. But in our church, it could look like worshiping together, hopping in a small group together, just hanging out together. I know there's like nights we plan just to meet up somewhere and that is fun. It's fun to get to know people, but it actually is really valuable to even following Jesus together. It's good to like have fun together to even know each other and want to hang out together. Um, That builds a relationship that uh, later is something that is sometimes needed as things are hard. We serve together. It's a great way to follow Jesus together is to hop on a team serving here together. Our kids' church is a great opportunity. Again, always are looking for more, especially right now looking for some more adults to hop in there. What a great way to like worship Jesus in a different setting in the gym and around some tables, not just in here. We do this in our city as we serve together, whether in our schools or with Seca, the food shelf. Many of you, I see this, bringing that flashlight around your neighborhoods as you care for neighbors and friends. I hear many stories of you doing this, the way you do this at work. Even just the way you talk brings a light uh, more than a darkness into your cubicles and your offices and your Zoom chats, I guess. There's probably more Zoom cubicles now than there are real cubicles. And so this is the big question for us. What does this look like for us now in our lives? To be people who are lights that are shining in darkness, that light that essentially is illuminated, foundationally illuminated by the one who is light, who's come into the world as we just celebrated Christmas, didn't leave us in darkness, but in fact has come so that he could bring light and one day we'll make it all, all light. And so I want you to ask this question. I want to invite the band up. We're going to sing together and celebrate him. We're going to worship together around Jesus uh, by singing these songs. And I want you to consider what do these things look like in your life? What does following Jesus together look like? Does it look like to be in community doing that? And maybe what does it look like for you this year to think about what does it look like to bring great joy to the people around you? A couple other things as we um, consider how to respond to that good news. Uh, we do all sorts of things here together. Uh, to, to keep gathering around Jesus. One of those is communion, which is a really cool, like physical way to gather around uh, actual crackers and juice and be reminded of Jesus. He actually commands us. He says, do this when you're together so that you remember me, so that you gather around me. Remember my body was broken so that yours wouldn't have to be. That I took that death on. Remember my blood was shed. I paid the price for your sins. That's a pretty incredible thing. We'll gather around, take communion now. That's out in the hallways on either side. We'd love to sing together. That's where our voices lift together to worship him. There'll be people in the back room who would love to pray for you and care for you in that way. And you can always give to continue to support um, our ministry here. Uh, There's a black box out there otherwise on the app or I said app again or on the website. Other things to consider, how has Jesus brought light, life or joy into your life? How has he kind of lit you up? Uh, who helps you follow Jesus and who needs to know that there's hope? Things to be praying for and considering um, always here. Let me pray for us and we'll worship together. Uh, Father, thank you that you brought us here. Thank you that four years ago, uh, a group of us 
said, we want to, this is it. You brought us here and we want to see joy brought to our city and hope brought to our city. We want people to know that this isn't it and that you're good and there's good news. And I pray that you would continue to sustain us as you have. We thank you that you've been faithful to us and I ask you to continue to use us. And maybe even today, this week, you'd stir in us uh, what it looks like, maybe who, who to move towards or encourage us in who we have been moving towards. Um, and what feels really dark, you would remind us that you're there and that that darkness could not overcome us in you. Thank you, Lord, for that good news. Amen.